0: We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top, and get that today. Uh, We also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership. It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Welcome to another Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm excited about today's episode. Our guest is Patricia Vaz. Patricia is the General Manager uh, Corporate Services at Community Housing Limited. And as the General Manager in this role, uh, Patricia has over 15 years of specialised experience in growing, collaborating and improving business services across Australia and internationally. Um, Extensive experience in the not-for-profit sector, delivering a broad range of services within organizational and legislative frameworks and particularly passionate about working with organizations with a real purpose, managing change, optimizing operations and improving leadership, creativity and innovation capabilities. Patricia is tertiary qualified, has an MBA in international management and is also qualified in change management, agile, Prince2 certified and highly adept at collaborating with senior executives and boards. And she's also a member of the CEO Institute, awarded Certified CEO Provisional Status in October 29. Uh, She was awarded Scholarship for Advanced Leadership Program, Women in Leadership Australia 2019, and for Executive Leadership Program with McKinsey Academy 2020. Uh, So I'm particularly excited, I have to say, about having someone so passionate about the not-for-profit space, because I think that's an area I, I share a passion with. So Patricia, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Jono, for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you about leadership, one of my favorite subjects ever.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I so enjoyed having a quick chat before we press record. And um, uh, for anyone who really enjoys today's episode, there's also uh, the seven questions on leadership that Patricia has um, answered previously uh, at consultclarity.org that you can go and look up and there's some some gold there. I'm sure there'll be uh, some of those things that we'll mention today as well. Uh, but yeah it's it's great to have you on uh, on the podcast and to start with you know the whole uh, the whole point of the leadership conversations podcast is for people to be able to listen in and like they're like we're sitting around having a coffee chatting about leadership and chatting about your story patricia and and uh, so why don't you tell us your story of how you became a leader and some of those moments along the way that that might have uh, have particularly shaped you to become the leader you are today
1: Thank you, Jono. Um, for me, it was really at an early age, I have to say. Uh, I had great examples at home, and I've seen and observed a lot, my my mom in special, to organize things, co- coordinate activities, uh, you know, taking initiative for things. So I guess that's how I, I've seen it was the natural way of doing things. Yep. Uh, but uh, in leadership terms, I remember my first experience uh, was um when I was doing actually an interview for a trainship program. We had around 15 people at that stage of the process. And we were given a task of uh, building a tower. You know, those tasks when you have to build a tower in collaboration and you have materials and certain specific instructions that you have to, to follow. So um, as soon as the task started, it was uh, all recorded. Um, I, I took the initiative to, to read the, the specific ins- instructions. We had, as I mentioned, just 15 people around, and I was just asking people, okay, uh, who is good at cutting? Who is good in you know, putting things together? Who wants to build this? And uh, basically organized the, the, the activity and um, noticed myself kind of uh, leading you know, other people in collaborating, right? And this was, I was around 18 years old. So it was quite natural, as I mentioned to you, because this is how I always did things at home or school or other, you know, uh, gatherings with friends, et cetera. But what has happened to me that was when I noticed, oh, this is really a, some sort of leadership skills was when I was asked to come back uh, uh, to, to receive some feedback on that process, um, the the person, the recruiter put the tape for me to see and I was able to see how things evolved. And the comment was, you know, you were a born leader okay. and uh, for me and I said, oh, I, 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 I heard about leadership. I, I kind of saw these initiatives at home, but at the time I felt okay, I really feel this is something that I enjoy doing, you know, respecting people, uh, involving them, um, uh, you know, and making the decisions and really um, working together and putting kind of a group of people to work as a team. So I guess it was really around 18 years ago that I was labeled as uh, uh, a leader. But yeah, I think it is innate to be honest
0: yeah I love that story the thing I really love about that story is showing you back the video of the activity because that's um that's one of my favorite things to do depending on and it's not always possible it's great that they did that for that exercise but there's something profound about watching back to see yourself (laughs) Uh, particularly if you're ever presenting to what I, I don't know I find it like the most painful thing ever to watch yourself presenting
1: and it's very hard sometimes for us as a leader to have that awareness you know you yeah. you do things um and for good or for, or for bad uh but to have that moment of awareness and seeing you know yourself um or even these days receiving some formal feedback is quite um it's it's important for me i think it what's great to to have that and and from there I think I built on my confidence and then uh, evolved on my leadership style.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to asking you more about that. Uh, But after, so from 18, what was your journey like from there? What did you do when you first, uh, you know, were from 18 in your 20s? What were your first sort of roles? How did you you develop from a work sort of uh, from a picture of your work life to start doing what you're doing today?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I had, uh, my university degree was computer science. Um, yeah. So at, at an early age, I understood that computers weren't for me. They were like a, a means and not an end because I really liked and enjoyed uh, people and engaging yes. with people. So um I always worked more, uh, in, uh, with different teams. So from there, I started working for a Coca-Cola company. Uh, Coca-Cola had a a group of technical people and me. Um, it wasn't the end. It was the beginning. I had to do an MBA. When I did my MBA was really when I felt that I understood how an organization worked. And I started working on a more, um, supporting services, um, uh, team. And, um, in that, uh, support in providing people um you know enabling people to deliver on their work and uh really developing those trust relationships uh from coca-cola to aes corporation and then i moved to u.s and then i came back to 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 um, brazil and i worked with a spanish company uh, and traveled a lot around the world so i felt that um, you know you can go anywhere and you can uh, um you as long as you develop that trust relationship with people and uh, put them together into a common goal, uh, that will will make them, uh, you know, feel valued. That will really, um, or, or, or even exploring their strengths, really connecting to people, exploring their strengths, uh, developing, um, you know, uh, that sense of. How they contribute to achieving something bigger than themselves, you know, a purpose, a goal, mission, a vision for the organization. So that involved in all my roles from Coca-Cola to where I am today. So from Brazil, I came to Australia, and uh, and and worked on, you know, um, from retail to. Uh, energy to uh, banking I also worked in Credit Suisse yep. and I um, then in Australia not-for-profit which uh, where I've been working for the last 12 years and it's all about building those relationships and trusts and ensuring that people along the way uh, understand the play they role yes. and the feel valued you know and uh, you as a leader um Really understand, uh, you know, what motivates people. Uh, empower them uh, accordingly to to, to those uh, skills that they have, and give them space to contribute. Um, most of all I think you know in terms of leadership for me it's really about consistency and walking the talk yeah. really show how you present yourself every day and uh, and this needs to be uh, uh, every day when when you make decisions when you act uh, towards people when to you react to a, to a, a problem or a roadblock you know having that uh, uh, co- cohesive uh, behavior uh, uh-huh. and you uh, yeah uh, walking the talk, basically.:
0: <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, it might be the number one way to lose trust and to, uh, for things to go downhill is to not do what you're, what it is to not do what you're saying you're going to do and to not be a person that people look at and go, "Oh yeah, you're walking the talk. I think if you do the yeah. opposite of that, it's, in my experience, it's the fastest way to to lose trust and credibility.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree.
0: So I'm interested to know in your uh, career, and that was great to get a snapshot of your of your career so so far. Incredible um, journey. What are some of the moments that come to mind where you think, "Hmm, that was that particular, you know, that specific moment really shaped who Patricia is as the leader today." You know, what, what, what are some of the moments that uh, that come to mind?
1: Yeah, um, I had a few great moments and uh, some bad moments with leadership. <laughs> yep. And uh, I guess it's not about me. It's how I saw the other leaders around me and how they mentored and coached me and how I uh, responded to that. So I had quite a few incidents that weren't uh, great experiences. And uh, uh, I guess... Um, the, the leader at the time, um, really pushed me down in a sense that um, didn't feel I was enough, you know, right. uh, and um, which is quite damaging for mental health. And uh, yes. I, I guess... What I learned, and it's for me, it's as I mentioned before, it's always how you respond to this. And yes. uh, what I what I learned was really, this is not the kind of a leader that I want to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in how uh, I guess I started being the leader that I wanted to have from there. Uh, and and that that one experience, and I had quite feel that, you know. Um, People misbehaving, um, hidden agendas, egos, and uh, you know, all happens as you grow in your career and you see and the politics. And um, so, I guess what shaped me more was all these incidents that didn't go that well because that's when I learn more, you (laughs) know.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you have any favorite? um, I love this question that comes from there's a a podcaster called Tim Ferriss, and he has this. this question what what's your uh, what are some of your favorite failures because uh, <laughs> i think it's so good you know those moments where uh where particularly for young leaders they might think oh i really you know i want to do a great job and but then when you've actually been leading for a while some of your some of your reflections will be that was such a great experience because i learned so much from it so do you have any favorite favorite failures? favorite failures <laughs>
1: uh yes uh one of them was really on receiving feedback you know uh in which the the person and and I will give you two in that uh and uh the the bad one was the person giving feedback to me just uh really was um Uh, how can I say, direct in saying only the things that didn't work out and basically did a graph uh, going really downhill saying this is your career from here and that's the impact you're having.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: And uh, at that stage, you know, I think as a leader, I really think that it's important for us uh, to to make failures and I don't even remember the failure but I remember him talking to me and the graph the graph is quite in my mind and uh, um, I guess uh, I, I want to instigate people to to have some failures and learn from it and that. Uh, Matter of fa- failing fast. Yes. But I, I, I honestly don't think that the problem there was that big that needed that scene or or that exposure, you know, and that really challenged me as a, a person, as a professional, and uh, mental health, uh, which I recovered later because I really, what has happened there is what we spoke first, the trust was broken. You know, right. why didn't the, that person provide me feedback along the way or in a more constructive way? Yes. That would make me see, uh, you know, what we could change. To, to get to that point wasn't great. And on the other hand, I can give you a really good example of a great leader that I had that provided me a perfect feedback. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't about being right. I remember I presented a, a, a a project, Uh, we were a certain milestone of a project. And uh, that specifically that just came to me and said, that is great. And as I was providing and showing these slides, it was a PowerPoint at the time, uh, he he said, okay, but how about we change that? What do you think we could uh, make, uh, what change we could put in place in here, which would make this more interesting? And he was kind of mentoring me, you know, and guiding me in, in changing, for better mm. and what I learned in the end is that my original document in which he said it was great wasn't that great <laughs> you know <laughs> but he did in such uh, uh, inspiring and um, you know uh, supportive way mm. that I felt I, I contributed with something that I felt that, that I really uh, uh, had added some value to that process so I guess for me it's the feedback process is very important you know for good and for bad and that were kind of my experiences that I can remember now.
0: Yeah I love I love those stories and uh, to build on that because I think feedback giving feedback and receiving feedback is a real minefield for a lot of leaders about how to how to do that if you had say there's a leader listening who um, Let's start with receiving feedback, has a, a leader over them who is, um, tends to give them very direct feedback. What advice would you give to someone who's in that situation like you've been in before where you can tend to feel like you're being crushed by the feedback you're receiving?
1: There are many ways for you to be authentic without, um, you know, um, chipping away on people's mental health. You could just present, uh, obviously, the facts and have that mentoring approach on, you know, suggesting uh, or, or asking questions. Uh, asking questions is the best way to help, I guess, for people to reflect yes. into what went bad uh, or, or the things that could be improved along the way, or if there was any other way, and then agreeing from then on a way forward, you know, uh, really, um, for me, it's, it is taking the emotions out uh, and uh, really seeing the things as humans, you know, uh, connecting to that person in a way that it's, you and me, there are something else uh, here. It's, it's not what we are trying to achieve, but how both of us can work better to achieve better results and uh, leaning on people's experiences and asking for inputs on how that experience could be improved or, or the outcome could be better and not simply providing the, the facts of what didn't work and using sort of what people say, the blaming game.
0: mm yeah, that's, that's that's great. There's some great ideas there. Do you have any favourite questions that you tend to ask a lot to the people you lead, if you think about it? Are there any questions that are sort of Patricia's... If someone's on Patricia's team, they tend to hear this this question a lot?
1: Um, I, I am very consultative. Uh, I don't have a, a specific one, um, you know, that we could do because I, for me it's a really... Um, for different projects, we might have, um, you know, different questions. But I guess I use a lot of, um, uh, you know, what do you think uh, is missing? Um, you know, um, mm. have you considered all the options, or um, how we could de- see these in a different perspective, um, or, or even, um, you know, what. Can you explain me the rationale you had when you took that action or, or made that decision? Um, you know, why? Why do you think uh, uh, reflecting back? Why do you think uh, this happened? Uh, you know, yeah, and, and what would you change now? And uh, what have we learned? What have we learned individually and what we could have changed that, you know, next time we'll, we'll do differently?
0: Yeah, there's some great questions. I love I love uh, something I heard recently and I can't remember uh, where I heard it, unfortunately, otherwise I'd, um, I'd credit it. But they talked about asking, coming into asking questions uh, like Sherlock Holmes. And, <laughs> um, and I, I yeah. love that picture because we're so so quick. It's such a problem when we come in with our, okay, this is what I need to to say. If we can flip it and come in and, and truly like really try to understand, it makes what we then want to say, it gives us the context to speak into. It means we there's often miscommunications that are little that if we can catch them and go, ah, okay, I didn't realize that piece of the puzzle, it makes such a difference. Um,
1: Absolutely. I I do have a staff member that is having quite a few issues with um, communication, and as you mentioned, communication, this just came to mind. mm -hmm. And um, the person cannot see, he sees that the others are, um, you know, um, not, hearing what he says yeah. or, or not understanding, not getting the message right. Um, but obviously it's not the case because we received quite a few, few complaints on that. So um, really ensuring that, uh, you know, as there is a trend there in showing the person, uh, you know, the, the there was this issue, and it's real. Mm. Uh, asking the person to reflect, you know, why this has been happening, uh, in in the opinion, and obviously uh, the approach, the current approach, is not working. And asking, how do you think we can, uh, you know, resolve this, or how do you think you could improve this communication issue, um, made the person reflect. For sure, made the person reflect, um, and um, he came with some ideas. He came with some solutions, which I think it is going to be tried now. If it's going to work, I don't know, but it's it is much more. Um, how can I say? If you have staff buy in into the decisions, it's so uh, it's easier from there because you're not telling, you're not saying. It. It, it, this style of, you know, uh, giving the answers does not do any favor for the business or for people. You know, people don't want to hear. They want, I, I guess, to reflect. It's time to reflect and understand really deeply. Maybe as Sherlock Holmes, as you said, you know, what is that led us to that situation and how we can change that?
0: Mm, yeah, yeah that's, so, that, that's so good. How do you – I think one of the challenges that I've definitely experienced a lot and I hear it a lot from leaders is – when you're leading someone who doesn't realize they um, they have a particular issue, how how do you how would you approach that? So say there's someone. Let me let me put it in in sort of real world. There's you're you're leading someone in your team and you realize, ah, uh, they they really need to grow in this area, but you also realize they don't they don't have that revelation themselves. How would you approach that? Because I I get the feeling you this might be something that you do pretty well based on how you unpack.
1: Yeah. yeah, um, If the person just with the questions and uh, evidence is still don't get it. um, What I, what I really like and has worked for myself as well um, is one of those personality tests, you know, uh, there there are so many uh, that we use in terms of strengths and personality tests. So, um, you know, if you want to use uh, myers bricks uh, for personal growth or Enneagrams, yep. awareness, DISC, behaviors, all of those. But what I use and I like are those that have a 360 approach. So if you have those uh, assessments in which okay, maybe let's let's take to the next level. If you cannot see and if you think it is me bringing this to you and others, let's broaden up a bit the spectrum and ask oh, more, more stakeholders, you know, about yeah. Um, how they see you so it is that self-assessment in which pe- a person would really put how they see themselves so you know their strengths and, and um, not uh, so strong points and then um, really send the, the same uh, sort of uh, questions for coworkers, so peers, how others see them. Line yes. line managers, so up direct reports, you know. And sometimes you can even send to external people, as long as it's not your mom. That will always say that you know you're great. <laughs> you can send to any person uh, externally. And uh, really, I, I I did that myself when I was doing McKinsey uh, executive program. Yep. Um, and it was quite a revelation you know, uh, in some parts for things that I really didn't stop to reflect on on my behaviors and how I was uh, presenting myself as a leader. So um, you obviously need that open mind and yes. that commitment to, you know, to grow um, uh, in openness. But um, I do like the 360 assessments and I think it is a, a tool that uh, – It's not one person, but it's a a group of people, group of stakeholders or a community that is giving, um, you know, uh, respectful and professional feedback. And um, if you're really interested in growing, you would probably hear and think more deeply, you know,
0: and improve Mm. as you wish. Yeah, that's I love that I love how you've connected uh, connected these two things because I have not thought of the three hundred and sixty degree feedback uh, in the same setting as this when you're dealing with a person who's who might be struggling to see something. But you're so right. If you can, it's about facilitating the uh, the the feedback <laughs> and, and, and the three hundred and sixty degree. If you can do that in a way that is a you know a fair process where the person. Yeah, like you said, it's, um, uh, so I'm interested actually to ask about that. How would, it sounds like you've done that, you've done that before. You've obviously (laughs) gone through that before. Any tips for how to do 360 degree feedback really well?
1: Um, really choose. Uh, I, I, I like to give instructions on, uh, you know, the the way of feedback that should be provided. That is not personal. It's professional, and it's to help the others grow. Uh, so always coming from a place of care. Um, you know, uh, not people being authentic. People being really uh, transparent on on how they see, and uh, those that are receiving the feedback not being um, uh, feeling targeted or trying to understand who said what, because usually it's anonymous and, uh, you know, uh, it's not about exposing people, it is to supporting, um, you know, the, the the personal development and professional development. So just setting the scenario and the, the boundaries, I, I guess, it's the way that I would uh, suggest uh, a good uh, 360 assessment to be done.
0: Yeah, I love that, setting the, setting the boundaries. And the expectations and and the clear framework, so people yeah. know know how it's going to work, giving them some clear instructions. Um, I I think you yeah there's some great thoughts in there. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, not for profits. And yeah. uh, it was interesting hearing you talk about your career and how much of your career, uh, even though you've done you've been in the not for profit space for 12 years, how much of your career was outside of the not for profit space. before that so I'm interested to know what is it about not-for-profits that's really drawn you in to to be so passionate as to spend you know the past 12 years in this space
1: yeah um, it is about the purpose and the values you know Uh, yes in the end of the day as I mentioned before we are all people you know wanting to be happy and make a a difference in this world but in the not-for-profit this is the day-to-day it's staff's life it is you know to to have that common purpose and when you connect to an organization it is not Usually, not because uh, of a role, but it's because of that purpose. And this is so clear in not for profits. You know, you see people that are passionate. They come to work because they want to change something or to contribute with something. It is all more positive. It's not personal agendas, most of the cases, I would say. That might be some, you know, uh, people that might have personal ones. But a majority of the people that are here are very um, connected to that purpose and, and mission of the organization. So this makes the difference. You know, you feel you are in, in a place in which people are working together to achieve that bigger goal. And uh, that's what I love about it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm, I love the not-for-profit space for, I think, the same reasons. Um, so uh, I'm interested to know what do you see as, you know, spending 12 years in the not-for-profit sector? Mm -hmm. More generally, if you look at the whole sector, you know, as a leader in the not-for-profit space, what do you think are the strengths? What does does not-for-profit do really well as a leader? You look around and think, I think we do that really well as leaders. And what are the gaps in the not-for-profit space that you see where you go, oh, we really as a sector need to get better at how we do X, Y or Z?
1: yeah um i it goes beyond politics it goes ab- about um you know understanding what is happening around us in the world um uh, and uh, the needs uh, of uh, different people and um finding solutions and um offering uh um ideas and um ways of mediating those um, you know needs and uh um, causes and really um, advocating for it with government and, and making a, a bigger difference in the world. So each uh, not-for-profit will advocate for, for uh, a specific cause, but overall not-for-profits have that intent to resolve bigger issues that are uh, not being dealt, you know, if you're working for a, a corporation such as a bank or something like that, which they might have a, a mission over there, but it's it's more, um, it, it, is, it is something that, there is a need. There is a, a, a big demand. There is, a, you know, an opportunity to makes to make people's lives better. And uh, I, I guess it is really about the the individual and the people we serve and the things we are trying to transform for the world. You know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. What What do you see? So say there's a young uh, a young leader, particularly in the not-for-profit space, but Let's let's say just a, a young leader who's starting out, and they they're sort of just working out what leadership is. Like you know, like you talked about, which I definitely remember for me having an aha moment that there was such thing as uh, uh, I'd heard the term, but it was when I experienced. Oh, okay, there is there's something I really need to learn how to do here that I don't quite know how to do yet, which is how to lead people, <laughs> and I really no. want to find that out what what advice would you give to a leader who's starting out as to sort of the where to start and the the basics maybe some of the some of the things to really focus on and yeah what what advice would you give a, a young leader
1: especially in the not for profit sector but in all uh, sectors in reality i would say uh, that it's not about you it is about the purpose just remember that and um, be authentic listen to learn, really uh, be clear to others on what you're trying to achieve and why. Uh, it's not about telling or demanding, you know, it's because they, they will follow you and they will engage with you and they will work with you uh, because they trust you because there is this mutual respect, you know, and uh, the understanding of what you're trying to achieve as a collective. So remember to be human, consistent which we said before walk the talk mm. um, and uh, that's okay to make mistakes you know leaders make mistakes along the way so <laughs> be human in that sense and and it's about how you react to those and not about the, the mistakes you've done.
0: Yeah I think that's great advice you've said some really great uh, things about purpose how do you live that out in terms of what, what does it look like for Patricia to make sure that you keep the purpose of what you're doing which I think in some ways is a bit easier in a not-for-profit but how do you make sure you keep that central to what you're doing as a leader
1: Um, Every day we come to work because we know what we are trying to achieve. At Community Housing, we are uh, uh, aiming for uh, a world without housing poverty. We work in providing housing for those that are in housing stress or in housing needs. So uh, having that always in the back of my mind. And, um, you know, housing is the basic need for a person to build and transform their lives. That is, if you use the Maslow Pyramid, you know that the basics Needs are, you know, to to have that safety to feel that uh, you can progress from there. So, having that in mind, always link our uh, vision for the organization for the next years and you know our plans and strategic objectives to that to that mission. So people really understand, uh, you know, why we are doing things, and then unpacking that to staff, unpacking to what is the play, the the role I play within th- that, uh, you know, um, strategic objective that will lead us to deliver on that purpose and our mission and vision for for the next years, and people understanding, then giving them the opportunity to contribute and bringing what um, they think it is important uh, to be done, uh, not just being told what to be done, but opening that um, space for people to to flourish and, and bring their own strengths to the table and and uh, participate and and then also take ownership because as you engage people you have their buy-in and they really it's like a mutual commitment there so ma- holding people accountable for for what you have to do but always linking to the mission bringing every day that um, understanding of um, uh why we are here. And if still that is not enough, uh, I like really to explore some stories of our tenants, or our customers,
0: yeah.
1: uh, how the organization has transformed their lives. Uh, that keeps the, the connection for me, and I guess for a lot of staff, that puts things into context, because, you know, being a a corporate services general manager, I'm not a frontline worker, I'm not in touch with our customers every day. But having that stories, you know, uh, detailed, and understanding the transformation or what housing has allowed them to to do with their lives makes a lot of difference. So really, that connection for me is important. And that's, uh, not only a process, but it's real when you put the, the context of, um, you know, our customers' mm. stories on that.
0: I love that you mentioned stories. I view, I like to think of stories like a, like a piece of fruit, that the stories are the fruit of your organisation, but inside, inside that story, inside that piece of fruit are the seeds uh, yeah. to plant. And, and there's something about stories that seem to capture vision, like the seeds. And sometimes vision is so hard. And purpose is so hard to uh, articulate in a way that's really meaningful and emotional, and stories do that so well. And then people, it'll plant a seed in someone to go, oh, wow, I love what this organisation is about. Um, are there any other practical ways that you would recommend for leaders? Say there's a, well, actually, let, let me ask this first. Say there's a leader out there who goes, oh, I I I, I'm struggling a little bit to work out what my organization's purpose is. Maybe they're not a not-for-profit. Maybe they're, maybe they're in, a, uh, in an organisation um, in manufacturing and they've got a couple of hundred staff and they're on the executive team or they're the CEO and they go, oh, I really do need to get a better sense of what our purpose is. Do you have any thoughts uh, or experience of how to actually do that, how to articulate your organization's purpose and find out what that is?
1: Yeah, um, if it is the leader um, or a junior leader trying to understand uh, what it is, I guess it's really, uh, I would have a conversation with my direct managers or, um, you know, with the, the people Above them to understand uh, what we are trying to achieve here. You know, I really think uh, everybody needs that context. What what is the end goal? What is uh, that we are aiming to achieve? What is our targets? You know, if it is more around targets, you know, setting some um, deals or uh, increasing profit or whatever it is, we need to have that clarity. And and that this needs to be well communicated to staff. Doesn't matter if it's a beautiful purpose or if it's a goal that you're trying to achieve. You know, it is all the same. People need clarity. People need to understand exactly, you know, what is expected out of them, uh, how they can Personally, um, deliver on that. What is their part within that uh, bigger picture? So the bigger picture is for the you know the CEOs, managing directors, or board uh, to guide and and uh, keep that alive and and bringing into the conversations, into the meetings. But if not, then you know you. Absolutely, ask and, and uh, try to understand. Uh, for 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 a while, I try to to get that clarity, and it's interesting if you ask. Sometimes, uh, not always, comes that straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know i would say that for me it was confusing uh, at times what we were trying to achieve because people had different understanding uh, yes. of uh, of uh, how it uh, looked like so i i was always trying to build but it, it was in a, bro- in a nutshell, so I would talk to different stakeholders or different managers to see from their perspective. And I, and I guess uh, this happens more when there is different geographies, because different geographies might have different, um, you know, goals and or projects. So it can be as um, limited as, uh, you know, some... Uh, uh, milestones that you're trying to achieve for a specific project, uh, and, but uh, I, I like to connect to something bigger, so I would always ask, okay, for that region, how does success look like? You know, yeah, what, yes. what, what, why we are doing this, so, um, yeah, oh, and what are the measures of success at the end of the day? And uh, yeah, this can be, as I said, as limited or as broad to the to the big organizations.
0: And I guess uh, getting really practical because I love to think, I can't help but think of what documents or what dashboards or what numbers or what um, you know, when when you're when you're being really clear with with a team about what success looks like, how do you communicate that? Any tips on? Or, or what would be the most basic version of that? Like, what does it look like to give someone clarity around what success looks like?
1: Um, unpacking the tasks, that's how I do really in pra- practical terms is identifying, uh, you know, uh, KPIs. Uh, you know, uh, if it is a certain number of, uh, if it is an improvement, you know, um, it is about uh, trying to get some source or sort of... Um, uh, survey in which we would understand these that. Where we are and where we are trying to what we are trying to achieve and measure ongoing you know the improvement of of that initiative uh, if it is a project for sure it is developing on specific milestones and agreeing on those milestones and having ownership from staff members that these are the timelines and you know having uh, that conversation in what is possible to be achieved and when so it is really um, case by case but unpacking the bigger problem. In into specific tasks and uh, identifying stakeholders that will undertake those tasks as their own uh, personal um, activities and uh, taking ownership of those and putting some uh, KPIs or or some measures in there to to understand if it was delivered or not and and by when and with quality or not or within budgets or not. Yeah, but it's an ongoing conversation, Jono. I don't think it is as linear sometimes as, uh, you know, I like to have ongoing uh, weekly conversations with my uh, managers. I think it is important to, especially during COVID now, to connect. We are not in the office anymore. We we have been working in a remote environment. So Mm -hmm. understanding how things are progressing, not only just being very strict to that, uh, you know, Specific uh, milestone, but uh, that we are trying to achieve, but really understanding how things are progressing and is there in roadblocks and facilitating how we can deliver that, uh, you know, and overcome the roadblocks as as a group and and moving forward and moving forward, uh, you know. So I'm not sure if I've given you the, the tool, but uh, it is a process basically of, uh, and it's a conversation in which you try to measure the, the progress as you move along. As long as you're walking forwards and you you, you are getting closer to that target, sometimes there are things that you, you can negotiate. Sometimes there are things that I, uh, you cannot.
0: You know? Yeah, that's right. I, someone said uh, recently, to me, about how leadership is so much around supporting, and that word's really growing on me because I think I think it's such a helpful lens. Like you, you just unpacked it really well. If you come in with a support mentality, like how can I support you? Yeah, I, I think as a leader, if you can be really clear and really supportive, you, yeah, you that... it's such a big part of the challenge, right?
1: Absolutely, you know, support people to evolve, to grow, to think by themselves, to become leaders themselves.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, empower staff really, uh, and allow them to make mistakes and grow from it.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's even just dawning on me right now as we're chatting about this, but it's so easy to view the people on your team as there to support you. Like, oh, this is my this is my support team. or <laughs> this is the team that supports yeah. me. But that the role of the leader really is to support and and raising leaders happens by supporting instead of telling I choose to get alongside you and support you so you can grow and and increase your own ceiling of leadership. Uh, So, yeah, I love what you said.
1: You develop that good structure behind you, right? Uh, you create that environment where people feel safe, uh, you know, uh, in interacting with each other, putting their ideas and putting their concerns, you know, the, the good, the good and successes, and also, you know, um, the, the the concerns they have. Um, yeah, and the thing that I I like a lot in terms of um, bringing solutions. And when you were stuck, uh, yes, uh, you can ask a person, you know, and you can go as deep as, you know, doing coaching and mentoring. And But if the person is stuck, bring to the but a bigger group of people, you know, take yeah. out between the two of you, but, uh, you know, bring to another group of people. When I do have a quite diverse team. Mm-hmm. I would say from age, uh, you know, have – People in the 20s, and I have one that is 74 years old this year, um, and wow. I have people from different geographies working with us. Um, and uh, it's it's important sometimes to put in a different context and letting others also to maybe. Uh, Offer some some suggestions and uh, and ideas and help and that's when even innovation happens right when you have that diversity of people bringing uh, collaborating and bringing their own experience and sometimes could be um, you know we have in my team this safe. T- uh, safety developed amongst the, the managers in which they can bring any problem or any success mm. to share you yeah. know things that they have in, in mind and doesn't need to be exactly for their own areas can be for any areas of the business that they are you know working with and I guess that really um, creates that uh, group of people that can trust rely on each other and feel I'm not alone I'm uh, not the one that have to to bring all the ideas myself, I can maybe, um, you know, share and get some inspiration from others.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, I think you're right. I think that there's so much power in collaboration. Collaboration is a leader's friend and uh, a team is, I feel like I chat to a lot of leaders who are struggling to hold people accountable. And I feel like one of the things I say a lot is, well, well how – how much have you built the team that you're leading? Because this person's one member of the team. But I think when you have peer-to-peer accountability, as Patrick Lencioni uh, talks about, the author, this idea of peer-to-peer accountability, where you actually build a team where people do feel safe to bring their problems, to have robust discussions, to actually share successes and know people are going to celebrate them and not feel threatened by them. When you can create that in a team of people, it actually it actually creates this effect where it makes it so much easier for you to deal with the individuals because it's it's not just the, the two-way uh, communication with them. You're also leveraging other members of the team who will be helpful in growing that person and, and investing in them as well um, as yeah, a group. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But that also requires an open mind for the the team members. You know, um, in th- there are some members that I've... Um, uh, you know, along with my leadership career, uh, I felt that they really didn't want to be part of that team or they would say their, their style was not that, um, you know, they, they prefer to have that individual conversations and that was it. And um, I feel uh, it is when the person doesn't have that growth mindset that this happens, you know, when the person is stuck into one way of doing things, so the, the old ways, uh, yeah. didn't want to jump into that. those group conversations. I think it was fear of being exposed, fear of uh, not being uh, uh, good or having to change the way things are, and, and yeah, fear of change, basically. So for you to bring those people along, I guess it, it takes a while sometimes and it's another process itself uh, and, but it is really uh, as a leader you need to understand um, you know the different uh, styles and personalities that you have within the team um, and uh, really adapt your communication style to, to engage and sometimes it is okay to not engage and sometimes these people they, they, they will, will choose to leave or move to a different team in in which they feel more comfortable but I I, I believe the the leadership of these days, it is consultative, it is collaborative, the the, the team environment is important. And, um, yeah, I think if you're open to it, you get a lot of benefit into having that safe net in which you can share and, and get some inspiration from when yours run out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who has a team and they've got a team member at the moment who... Is pushing back on you know they're trying to build the team and they've got one person who's really saying oh I'm not really interested in that how do you manage how do you manage that as a leader
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a hard call when you see and you can see the, the body language sometimes you can see for attitudes you see that the the conversation that is not direct that goes in the back. Um, I I am quite direct with the person you know uh, in, in a sense that I have one-to-one saying you know I've, I've noticed this uh, uh, these are the things that I believe it's not okay uh, we do have in my team uh, we develop kind of our uh, team values how we want to in our team culture how we want to present ourselves to the organization and uh, I try to align to that and I say this this is not working you know and, and um having the the conversation with the person really uh, to say this is what we are trying to achieve and this is how I you know this is where you are we have this gap between your behavior and in the team's behavior and what's going on and you know what do you think we could do Uh, is this something that you are open to you know it sometimes could be a you know uh, a stage in life that people there are so many things that influence uh, how we behave these days, uh, and having that conversation and understanding what is driving them to be that way uh, is a good way of starting. But if it's purely, you know, um, you know, I uh, the person might be could be in fear of something or uh, not feeling that they can contribute or the, 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 it's, you know, the, the options could be uh, many. So I guess uh, if there is a performance plan maybe to be developed there, uh, that could be a, a good idea if the person is on board to, to develop uh, those uh, skills or the, to add the behaviors. But I guess uh, close monitoring as well in, in calling out when uh, that behavior was observed by you and others. And uh, yeah, uh, really saying this is the culture that we want to create here, and I need to know if you're on board or not. And if so, then have some specific milestone for that person to, you know, join the, the group and collaborate or if uh, worst case scenario really let's let's do what we have to do and do the performance management plan
0: right mm. that's how
1: things uh, work in Australia if it was in Brazil and other countries I would say you're out you know yes. sorry it's not working this is not what we need because depending on the stage of where we are as a business and as a, of an organization there is a group of people and skills and capabilities that we need to serve that purpose to serve that and go, and uh, you know, uh, if you're not there, uh, either you develop it or you know, it's it's no point. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's. Yeah, uh, but... I think you've said. I think there's some great wisdom in in what you shared for for international listeners who might not be familiar with Australia. I think. I think I'm always fascinated by how. Different legislation works in different countries when it affects people management because people management's already tricky enough, and then um, and then trying to actually apply uh, to make sure you're doing the right thing legally is I, I personally find it's it's really hard. Uh, so could you unpack what it looks like, say for someone who's listening in from uh, you know from from Europe or even from the US or from somewhere completely different? How does <laughs> In Australia, how does it work if if someone sees someone and goes, I I need to performance manage them legally in terms of warnings? And and how does it work in in Australia? uh, Yeah, as opposed to to others. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, For sure. So in Australia, what I struggled a lot when I arrived here 13 years ago um, or so uh, was uh, that the legislation is very protective of the, the staff member, the employee the employee, so mm-hmm. the employer has to prove that we've done all the steps needed or, or uh, available to us to ensure that that person, uh, you know, can perform, yes. and um, and that is around really um, having the informal conversation first. Uh, obviously, it depends on what is the matter at hand, but if it is an underperformer person, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it is about putting uh, having those conversations, the initial conversation about you know I have this concern you know we've agreed with this it's not happening uh, and documenting everything really important for you to document every conversation um, and uh, monitoring from there if you need to do a formal warning in writing uh, mm-hmm. which means that really things uh, need to be improved by a certain timeline and uh, the the commitment from both ends and could be that from your end as a leader or as a, a manager of the organization you would put a uh, Make them available to have an internal mentor, have a coaching external, having a course or uh, just uh, really giving all the, the instructions they need to, to perform in a, in a a more detailed way. And from there, if it doesn't really work, uh, then you have uh, the different steps can be up to three steps into where you prove that by certain timelines, the person is still not performing, you know, warning one, two, and three, and then let people go. Um, But even so, after that, people can claim so many, Uh, you know, it's so easy. You pay, I, I guess, $50 a day and you can go to, this revelations and open a case and challenge that and we as an organization ended up always paying something you know uh, to yes. compensate but um, you know in other countries i remember when um, in brazil uh, I, I remember when i was working in in sao paulo for a big organization there and uh, people got to know that they didn't have a job by um, i.t because they would come try to log in, and the, the, the they couldn't log in anymore. And then IT would say, oh, it's not a, a help desk issue, you need to talk to HR. And that's when, and that's oh, when wow. they would find out that they, they didn't have a job anymore. And could be because, you know, many, many different reasons, but you don't have to do any process from there. Yes. You just, um, you know, it, it's not, it's no longer available over your your role and you don't you know it's that's the way it is thank you very much we who sees your your employment with the organization uh. so it's really different uh, australia uh. is it, in, in other countries I know uh, Canada is like a has similar process uh, of um, having the uh, staged approach in which you try first to provide Everything you can, you know, uh, for the person to perform. In other organizations, what I've noticed now, um, as well, uh, um, either I uh, uh, increasing the. The time, uh, the probation time as well, when they hire, you know, yes. um, sometimes can be, you know, three months, six months, even nine months, yes. uh, which gives you a leverage within this timeline to just uh, dismiss the person for any reason that can come up with which facilitates for HR a lot. You know, it's like a shorter term contract before confirming the employment.
0: Yes. Yeah, I have I have noticed the same thing. And, um it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I think it reminds me of what you said at the start, which was around no matter where you go, if you can build trust and relationships with people, then it's it's different roles, different jobs, different missions, different purpose. But that's that's the key, and I feel like it's the key in this too. It's like no matter whether there's no pro or whether there's minimal process around letting people go, or a very lengthy process. My thought would be. If you can, if you can keep high trust, high communication, lots of clarity, then then you you sort of take a lot of that out of it. You don't take all of it away, particularly yeah. in Australia where it's stringent, uh, but or Canada. But what you can do is you can start early. You can be close to the person. You can give, you know, pick uh, pick small battles and give clear feedback on things and and close to when it happens and say, hey, I noticed that. Uh, and and when it's small things before you get into any of the bigger bigger stuff that's where you actually work a lot of things out I think my experience is so many leaders have big big problems because they overlook things as long as they can and then when they are yeah. taking some action it's um, it's almost it's almost too late because it comes out of left field and then it all blows up in some massive uh, Massive yeah. blow up and, uh, and and it and everyone gets hurt. So I I feel like you've given some great advice on that. And
1: and then they find somebody to blame and things. But, uh, Jono, let's remember that uh, leadership today uh, especially uh, has become super strong uh, during and after COVID, after a while. uh, It's um, the empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, sometimes a person is not performing. It's not because of any of those uh, structures that you put in place. could be something bigger happening there on lives, you know? And as a leader, if you have that trust and you connect to people, uh, you you get it. You know, Uh, the the person will probably feel safe enough to talk about their personal concerns, issues, you know, can be many things. We had a lot of uh, issues um, during COVID with people living together, you know, that family environment has changed. And we had, uh, you know, um, the the fear of the disease is one, but the, the... domestic violence I'm not saying that our staff has this but uh, who knows you know people can be yeah. living anything uh seeing other family members getting um you know uh seek uh divorce it's a big one that impacts on people and, and family and, and uh, that uh, family dynamics uh sometimes things as simple as sleep you know i yep. do have this uh uh if I don't sleep well, uh, it's harder for me to make the decisions. If I don't uh, <laughs> sleep or eat or have that, uh, you know, self-care yeah. as a leader, it's hard for me to present that strong, uh, uh, you know, um, image and uh, in, in really Inspire others. So I guess there are so many aspects that uh, sometimes you you have to to be aware of in, in when you, we are developing this. Nothing that this will uh, you know allow people to to just not deliver, but you will be more compassionate. You you have uh, alternatives there in which you can offer an extra support. You know, not for yeah. profits in, in in Australia. You you could have an EIP, which is a uh, uh, support uh emotional social uh and mental health support to to staff uh, a program in which they can talk to to psychologists psychiatrists and and uh, you know yeah. explore all the, all the support that you know in the organization uh they they wouldn't have in a very confidential way so yeah
0: i think that's a uh, i think that's a wonderful point to to finish on, because it does come back to compassion for people, and I think for all of us, that our favourite leaders, the greatest leaders that we've been led by, there's been a real sense that they actually care about us, and they're really concerned about about us, and want the best for us. And um, and I think just just being that leader and and having that compassion is is so is so powerful. It's such a powerful thing in leadership, in it, and it. Um, yeah, is there is there anything else you wanted to add before we finish up, Patricia? No,
1: all all you said is absolutely right. If I do a, a pause and I th- think a little bit and a, a moment of reflection of what are the leaders that uh, most inspired me, uh, or you know I really uh, would like to to be like them, it's it's those that uh, uh, were human. Mm. Um, that were empathetic, and those that uh, really provided me with uh, constructive feedback mm. and um, mentored me to to grow and um, to be the be- best version of myself. So that's what I, I that's my goal as well. To mm. every day come to work and um, connect to people, ensure that they have the support they need to to be the best versions of themselves at work.
0: Yeah, wonderful. I I couldn't have said that any better. And, uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been uh, just a pleasure to get to know some of your story and uh, to also chat about so many fascinating topics around leadership.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of today's Leadership Conversations podcast episode. Uh, Another big thanks to Patricia Vaz, our guest today, And uh, if you are interested in more of this sort of content, make sure you go to consultclarity.org. We've had more than 1,500 leaders complete our seven questions on leadership. And we have uh, a number of guests lined up to be be on the Leadership Conversations podcast in coming weeks and months. So make sure you subscribe, follow wherever you are because we've got uh, some really exciting episodes ahead. Thanks for listening. And have an amazing day. Looking forward to connecting next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, how to deal with difficult people, even if you hate conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again.